Hello and welcome to 33 Rides, the show that's all about bicycles, trains, sustainable travel and adventure. Now, in today's episode, we have the second part of our interview with Anna Hughes, the director of Flight Free UK, coming up in just a moment. But before we dive in, a look ahead to what's cooking in 33 Rides. Well, first of all, we have a country-by-country guide coming soon on our website at 33rides.com. So keep an eye on our Twitter at 33rides and we'll let you know just as soon as that's ready. What else is coming? Well, we have another mini 33rides adventure going to just three countries this time coming up next week. I suppose you might call it three rides and we'll be telling you all about that as we go on our Twitter. So that'll be another little adventure using bicycles and trains to get around three countries in Europe. Now, it's nearly time for the main event, uh, the second part of our conversation with Anna Hughes. But before then, a brief advertisement. We've actually been playing podcast tag with Flight Free UK, Anna's organisation. And Anna very kindly invited us onto the Flight Free UK podcast uh, a little earlier in the week to talk a little bit about the 33 Rides project. And that podcast is now available on the Flight Free UK website. That's flightfree.co.uk slash podcast. Uh, You'll find that episode there and you'll find me in conversation with Anna talking about our Flight Free adventure. And I'll post the link to that on our Twitter as well. But for today, let's get on to the main event now. It's the second part of our conversation with Anna Hughes, Director of Flight Free UK. And we left the conversation last time on a bit of a cliffhanger. I had just asked Anna whether she speaks Swedish for reasons that will become apparent in a moment. Let's find out her answer. A question. Do you speak Swedish? No. Neither, nay. neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, obviously you do if you can answer in Swedish, but I don't speak Swedish at all, except that just, <laughs> just recently uh, I did learn one Swedish word, um, togskrita. Now, I'm not sure if my pronunciation is any good. I'm sure it isn't. But do you know what that means? I don't know, actually, but I do know what it means. Yes, it means train bragging. Well, I'm reliably informed. Um, I say reliably informed. I mean, I looked it up on the Internet, so quite possibly unreliably informed. But I'm informed, reliably or not, that it means, as you say, basically train bragging or flaunting your eco-credentials by boasting about how far you've managed to travel by train. But this is a podcast, let's be honest, that is almost entirely dedicated to thinly disguised Togskrita. It's a safe space for Togskrita. So Anna, would you like to indulge in a bit of Togskrita yourself and tell us what is the furthest that you've travelled from home 
by train. <laughs> oh, absolutely love a bit of Torgskritter. Um, so Copenhagen, I think, is the furthest I've travelled by train. Or Milan, is that Oh, I have to get my globe um, out. Well, you said you went to Sicily. That must be even further than Milan. No, I I haven't been to Sicily. That was a ah. hypothetical one. So, but it's possible, obviously. So, yeah, uh, Copenhagen slash Milan. Those those would be my two furthest, which isn't actually that far. I mean, it, you could get there in a day. So, yeah, um, I would absolutely love to travel further. I think one of the things is my my most of my travels happen in the UK actually I love a good UK train <laughs> does Inverness or Thurso count as my furthest well, train journey they probably do it's quite a long way um, isn't it well of course it depends where you, depends where you're starting it's quite a long from way. okay well yeah. I think if you're going to pick yeah. Milan or Copenhagen I'm going to give you a, an intermediate level uh, Torgskritter badge but now it's probably time for a bit of bicycle boasting now I'm not qualified to say that in Swedish so I'm, I'm going to stick to English for this one no, but let's neither. talk a bit about <laughs> your cycle ride around the coast of Britain 4,000 miles if I'm not mm. mistaken and it led to you writing a book about the experience is that right? Yeah you're absolutely right and this was my first foray into really being a flight-free adventurer so my bike ride around the coast of Britain was way back in 2011, um, so over 10 years ago now. And that was af just after I had decided to stop flying, but I wanted to explore the world. And I thought, how on earth am I going to reconcile these two things? And I settled on having my adventure of a lifetime without leaving Britain. Um, so, because I wanted to cycle as far as I possibly could, I've been a cycling enthusiast my whole life. But I also felt it felt a bit wrong to kind of get to know another country without really knowing my own particularly well. So I thought, okay, what's a great way to get to know the UK whilst going as far as I possibly can? And I settled on the coastline, which is incredibly long. <laughs> so my journey was 4,000 miles, but I could have made it 5,000 easy. Just, you know, if you're very detailed with all of the ins and outs along our incredible coastline, you can you could make that. So you're saying last you, a lot you cut a few corners so, along the way, did yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as I could see the sea, I, I it counted. <laughs> well, there are certain times you can't see the sea, but this just uh, felt to be a kind of experiment. Could I have that adventure of a lifetime? Could I have a genuine travel experience without leaving Britain, without leaving the place I was born, without really going very far at all? And of course, the answer was yes. So of course, I it was life changing. It was eye opening. I found other cultures. I heard other languages. You know, we there, there are certain parts of Wales that only speak Welsh. I uh, tasted different foods. I saw different landscapes. Swam in the sea multiple times. Um, it it was a wonderful journey of discovery, not only of the UK but also of myself. You can't spend that long on a bike by yourself and not learn a thing or two about yourself. Um, again. That's why we travel. And I came back absolutely fired up about wanting to tell other people that you don't have to get on a plane to have the adventure of a lifetime. And we have a lifetime of exploration right here on our doorstep. So yes, 
uh, one, you know, traveling around Europe, traveling around North, Northern Africa, one day I might sail around the whole world, but I am so content with the localized travels that I do here in the UK, hopping over the channel, doing a bit with our near near neighbors. That's absolutely perfect and t satisfies all my travel boxes. Mm. Now, Anna, I'm fascinated by the names of things, and I particularly love the title that you chose for your book, Eat, Sleep, Cycle. Now, can you tell us, how did you <laughs> land on that title? Is there a backstory? Oh, the pattern of threes there, isn't it, again? <laughs> uh, kind of a backstory. I Actually, that's my Twitter handle, So, and that has been since I joined Twitter. Um Partly because I think it's a bit of a trope, isn't it? Eat, sleep, whatever, repeat. And eat, sleep, cycle seemed to sum up, sum up a cycle tour really well. What do you do when you're on a cycle tour? You eat, you sleep, and you cycle. That's it. It just really breaks things down into the very fundamental elements of life when you're on the yeah. road. And that made sense for my Twitter handle. And then when I came to work with my publisher they suggested that I use that I tried loads of really poetic clever titles um but yeah they were like no eat sleep cycle is great okay cool right let's do that then <laughs> nice and snappy mm. okay so you ate you slept and you cycled and you went for 4,000 miles around the coast of Britain <laughs> and then that still wasn't enough so you came back for more you cycled I guess through the bits that you missed on your coastal route through the middle of Britain from Land's End to John O'Groats I think which in cycling terms is only slightly nutty but then you went over to France and you made three ascents not one but three ascents of Mont Ventoux in a single day <laughs> and that to me does sound a bit bonkers so how the heck did that come about? <laughs> oh wow okay so generally I'm kind of a throw yourself in at the deep end kind of person um, for example, my first ever triathlon was a Ironman, <laughs> just, <laughs> just to throw that out there. Uh, that kind of sums me up a bit. So yes, I mean, cycling around the coast of Britain was my first ever bike tour. You know, I'm like, well, why, why not just go for it? Yes, I cycled the length of France from Dieppe to Nice, but on the way, calling in on Mont Ventoux and going up each one of the Mont Ventoux roads in a single day. So it's, a, it's an official thing. It's called Les Sanglés du Ventoux, which translates as the Mad Men of Ventoux. I won't argue with that. But there are three roads that go from the three villages at the base of the mountain up, up to the top. So if you ascend each of those roads in a single day, then you're entitled to join this club. And I just, that kind of thing really captures my imagination. And I thought, well, I'm not going to cycle all the way to Mont Ventoux and only cycle up it once, am I? <laughs> Might as well do the full challenge and get the most out of it. And I, I spent 13 hours cycling up and down that mountain, <laughs> which, I mean, I have to say, one of the best days I've ever had on a bike. It was, it was nuts. As you just said, it was a completely off-the-wall challenge, but I loved it. I was up for it. It was the perfect day. It wasn't too hot. And, and I mean, the weather on Vontu can be very volatile, but it was perfect. I had the most incredible view and I did it. I got to the top 
the third time I got there, I just thought, thank God that's over. Um, <laughs> took my final descent and had a beer. <laughs> it was great, a great day. Now, we're about to come to the section of this podcast that I warned or threatened you with uh, earlier, which is the rapid fire questions. But in fact, you've already, you've just answered one of my rapid fire questions already. So you're off the hook for one ah. of them. Um, but I do have uh, seven or eight others. So if you're sitting comfortably, let's begin. Okay. Question number one. What's the best country or city or region for cycling in your direct experience? The Netherlands, without a doubt. I think most people couldn't agree with okay, that. <laughs> good. Question number two. The worst country, city or region for cycling in your experience? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I might have to say, oh, I don't want to say it. I might have to say London, even though I also do love riding in London. I should also say Denmark is pretty awesome for cycling. So that was that's a joint first for the first okay. question. Question three. <laughs> this is the one you've already answered, unless you want to change your answer. Best day ever on a bike. Go on then, Mont, Mont Ventoux day. Yeah, I'm going to stick four. with that. Day train or night train? Oh, what a good question. Okay. Day train because the views are incredible and that's all part of it. But night trains are pretty good. I think I'll pick a day train um, when I'm if I'm pushed for an answer. The the advantage of night trains is that you do travel while you're asleep, so you can arrive um, having not spent time travelling. If you see what I mean, it's kind of magic time. Although on the limited number of night trains I've taken, I haven't slept particularly well, so I'm going. Okay, for day, day train it is. Question five. Favourite means of transport? A bicycle. Correct. I've said it. <laughs> Question six. Solo, couple or group for travel? Okay. I've had this debate so many times with others and with myself. I'm going for solo, but I there are so many lovely things about travelling in a pair. But generally I'm going for solo. Most of my tours are by myself. And there is something very empowering about doing things alone. Um, there's also something... There's, if you're travelling alone, people want to help you. And if you're travelling as a pair, people assume you're okay. So I think that's one of the things I found in my travels. I've had lots more conversations and nice interactions with the, 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 the public <laughs> um, by virtue of being by myself. Okay, solo it is then. Uh, question seven, you've already answered part of this uh, earlier on. Have you ever been on a plane? And if so, what do you remember about your last flight? Yes, I have been on a plane. My last flight was to Jersey in the Channel Islands where my sister lives. And my overriding memory was getting off and going, why did I do that? Jersey's right there. There's a boat. <laughs> um, although my previous uh big my my only ever long haul flight was to New York and I was so insanely sick from turbulence and and jet lag absolutely floored me I just thought I am very happy not to have to do that again like I'm I would gladly give up long haul travel for that <laughs> which you have now done yeah good okay one more quick fire question uh, if the prime minister could grant you one wish in your flight free uk capacity what would it be? Oh, only, only one. one. Could it be to make me in charge of in charge of transport policy? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. And Let me check. Make, yeah, I could make as many choices as I Let want. Me check the rule book. <laughs> yes, yes, you can have that. All right, but then you have 
But, oh, but wow. then you have to tell me what your first decision would be as transport minister. Uh, oh, okay, we're taxing aviation fuel. Tax on aviation fuel. That is going to be the first one. Good. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I try, I'd like it to be more positive, like free tra free rail travel for everyone. Paid for by be, tax on aviation fuel. <laughs> right. right. Have, yeah. we, have we solved it? Brilliant. Okay. Knocking off the world's <laughs> problems uh, one at a time at a rapid rate. Okay. That is the end of our quick fire questions, but I'm not letting you off the hook just yet, uh, Anna. I've got another segment for you here, which is called true news or fake news. Now, oh, wow. as you probably know, there's been a lot of talk recently about artificial intelligence and in particular the rise of ai powered chatbots including one called yeah. chat gpt now yeah and this is a completely true story uh, i logged in to chat gpt a few weeks ago and i asked him or her or it i'm not sure what we should them. call it asked them uh for some suggestions as to who I should invite as guests for the 33 Rides podcast. And do you know who it suggested? Well, I'm going to give you the top six in reverse order. So number six was Josie Dew, a prolific cyclist, Aww. author of many fine books, including The Wind in My Wheels, The Sun in My Eyes and others. Number five, Rob Greenfield. Uh, environmental activist and adventurer from the US. And number four, Ishbel Holmes, a cyclist, adventurer and author and animal rescuer, according to her website. So she has four oh. jobs, not just three. Uh, number three, Mark Beaumont, British cyclist who set the world record for cycling around the world in 79 days, I think it was. But Anna, would you like mm -hmm. to take a guess? We're down to the top two now. Who do you think were Chat GPT's number one and number two suggestions for 33 Rides podcast guests? Uh, Alistair Humphreys? Mm, good guess, no. but no. I'm going to. Andrew Sykes? I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to tell you number. Are they more famous? Number than that? two. Devla Murphy, who sadly now passed away. <laughs> would have been a good, uh, a good choice, although you're right, she sadly passed away not so long ago. Number two, as recommended by the artificial intelligence bot, was... Oh, I'm going to go um, t Jeremy Vine. Jeremy Vine would have... Boris Johnson. Would, both would have been <laughs> great choices. Um, but no, number two, actually... I'm just going a bit out there. Greta Thunberg was number two. Thunberg. Yeah, Thunberg. Thunberg. And that leaves us just Excellent. with number one. And it wasn't Jeremy Vine. It wasn't Boris Johnson. I'm going to tell you who it was. It was Anna Hughes. No, you're joking. I am not joking. <laughs> you're joking. Oh my God. This is a completely. I nearly said, I nearly said it wasn't me, was it? <laughs> a completely true story. I've got a screenshot which wow. I can share with you to prove it if you like. I asked. Wow, AI comes up. It trumps. sure did. You've worked your way to the top of that tree. So. Anna, oh my God. you are, oh my you God. are, that's why I I felt I had to ask you to come on our podcast first, because the artificial intelligence told me that you would be wow. the person I should talk to first. Oh, my life is complete. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So, Anna, 
after you so kindly agreed to come on this podcast, I thought I'd better do some more research. And since Chat GPT recommended you, I thought I should ask Chat GPT. I'm going to add that to my. I'm going to add that to my website it, as recommended by ChatGPT. <laughs> it's going to be my Twitter bio now. <laughs> put it on your LinkedIn. Put it everywhere. <laughs> now, I thought that since ChatGPT knows everything, it could do all my homework for me. I wouldn't have to do my own research. It could tell me everything I needed to know about you. So I asked ChatGPT to tell me ten interesting facts about Anna Hughes the Anna oh Hughes that it recommended to me as my number one oh. podcast guest and this oh is what it told me now Anna for each fact I want you to tell me whether it's true news or fake news because I don't okay. know whether they're true or not. Maybe they're all true. Okay. <laughs> Maybe none of them are true. Wow. We'll see. What a good game. Okay. So <clears throat> the ready. first thing that Chat GPT told me about Anna Hughes is as follows. Anna completed a degree in law at the University of Cambridge and went <laughs> on to work as a solicitor <laughs> for several years. I've got a different Anna before Hughes. Before <laughs> transitioning to a career in environmental campaigning. True news or oh, fake news? Oh, that's nice. Oh, fake Completely news. Fake so news. fake. Right. Fake so news. That's minus news, one please. for ChatGPT. Number two. Anna was a contestant on the reality TV show Survivor in 2016. <gasps> True news or fake news? Wow, have they got like all the other Anna Hughes in the world? Because that's fake news. Well, ChatGPT said. <laughs> As a follow-up to this point, while Anna did not win the competition, her participation may have helped to raise awareness about environmental issues and the importance of sustainability. But it wasn't you, apparently. Okay, right. No, not, <laughs> okay. no. <laughs> no. Right, so that's zero out of two so far. Number three, in 2019, she ran the length of the UK covering a distance of over a 1,000 miles in 38 days to raise awareness about climate change and promoting sustainable living. True news or fake news? Wow. Oh, I'd love to say true. I don't think anyone's done that. Um, definitely not on Anna Hughes anyway. Completely fake um, news. Anna McNuff. Okay. She's a runner. She's run the legs of Britain. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Well, <laughs> we're not getting many hits so far. Let's try the next one. Anna Hughes <laughs> has completed several long-distance cycling journeys, including... Oh, now we're hitting the nail including on the Including a 4,000-mile trip from Norway to Spain and a 2,500-mile <laughs> trip from Athens to Edinburgh. True news or fake news? <laughs> No, I've not done those bike Complete bikes. nonsense. <laughs> I'm rapidly losing faith in this artificial intelligence. We might have to call oh. this segment off pretty soon. Come on, I've got to do the next one. Anna has yeah. also worked as a wildlife conservation volunteer in South Africa. No, I have never Fake been to South news. Africa, as you might imagine. Hmm. Next one, number six. Anna is a trained carpenter and has used her carpentry skills <laughs> to build and repair furniture on her cycling trips. True news or fake news? I, wow. Oh, 
oh my god i'd love to do that no i i've built all my furniture on my boat but i wouldn't call myself a carpenter <laughs> just a you know an enthusiast with the hammer and nails <laughs> do you know what i think that this artificial intelligence might not be talking about the past i think it might be predicting the future <gasps> oh mm. wow so I look forward to my uh, 4,000 mile, mile bike ride from Norway to Athens. Yes. How about this one then? <clears throat> Anna has worked as a busker in the past, playing guitar and singing on the streets to earn money for her travels. That's nice. I, I can play the guitar and I can sing, but I've not done any busking ah, well, on my travels. A few, another future prediction, perhaps. That what was, about yeah. this one? Anna is a trustee of the environmental charity Sustrans. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not a trustee of Sustrans, but I used to work for Sustrans and I'm a supporter of Sustrans. So we're kind of vaguely getting towards something that's more realistic and likely. Right. Well, this next one sounds like it could be realistic and likely, but based on past form i'm beginning to suspect it might not actually be true <laughs> anna is a co-founder of the website cycling uk women which aims to provide information and resources <laughs> for women who are interested in cycling no no, no but oh, no. Dear. excellent website <laughs> okay well i think we've learned well i've learned quite a lot about chat gpt in the course of the last five minutes it is not to be trusted <laughs> that's a shame i wonder if i should then therefore strike it from my uh Twitter no bio. we'll keep the good bits keep <sighs> the good bits and just uh, get rid of anything that uh is uh, either not verifiable or not flattering i might just add all of those things to my Twitter bio and then let's just pretend it becomes truth yeah. doesn't it fake it till you yeah, make it just fake it forget about the making it right. if it's on if it's online it happened right <laughs> Love it. You're going to have to send me this screenshot. I will send you all the Brilliant. information. Now, Anna, before we wrap up, there are just two more things I want to ask you. Um, the first one is some current new today's news, I think it was. rather depressing news, that the, which I'm sure you've seen because it's in your area, about the active travel budget in England, which has just been cut by two-thirds. So this, this is money cut from what are already quite small amounts that are spent on capital investment in yeah. safe infrastructure for walking, wheeling and cycling. Now, if you spend yeah. too much time on Twitter, which let's be honest, is probably any time on Twitter, uh, you'll know that this whole topic <laughs> of safe infrastructure for walking and cycling and so on has become very polarised and it's in danger of becoming yeah. just another kind of culture wars hate fest which is particularly stupid i think because let's face it nearly everybody will at some point in their lives be a pedestrian at Walk some point somewhere. in their lives yes, exactly. nearly everybody will ride a bicycle and for that matter at some point in their lives nearly everybody will probably either drive a car or be a passenger in a car so you might think mm. that we're all in this together in many parts of the UK, at least, it doesn't always feel that way. So I wanted to ask you, from your perspective, as an experienced campaigner and as someone with expertise in behaviour change, what's the outlook here? Do you think things can get better? What, in your view, is the best way to win hearts and minds, not just in the political sphere, 
obviously that's important, but also in the public sphere too, you know, perhaps among family and friends. I was going to add, and on social media too, but that's probably a bridge too far. But what do you think? What's the way to win hearts and minds in these kinds of debates? Well, social media can be positive. We can use that as a force for good. I think I'll sidestep talking about politics because, frankly, we're never going to get anywhere with this government in this in in power. I'm not sure an alternative would do any better, to be honest. And I've spent more than a decade of my life on behaviour change project, projects on, in low carbon travel, both with road transport and with air transport. And seeing the pitiful progress from our politicians and now seeing this budget slash, it just makes me despair. And I think the only thing we can do is change our, ourselves because we cannot rely on our politicians to do the right thing. We've been having the same conversation and I'm sorry to not be able to positively answer your question because we have been having this conversation ever since I started with Sustrans in 2008. And Sustrans had been having this conversation for decades before then about putting in infrastructure that will invite the, the active travel that we, that we need to see. And I mean, the fact that we're still debating on the radio the benefits of active travel it's like these are exactly the conversations I was having 10 years ago and it just that's so depressing we look to the Netherlands we look to Copenhagen uh, to Denmark sorry and Copenhagen specifically um, as I mentioned they're fantastic cities and countries for cycling in we look to them often and say oh well it's different there well it wasn't different there 40 years ago it was the same as it is here and they did something about it and that's all we need to do but we're just i'm so despairing of our of our government of our politicians of the people in power because they're just not doing it and frankly having been in this game for a long time i don't think they ever will which is a, a dreadfully defeatist thing to say but for that reason it has to come from the grassroots and i don't know what that means for infrastructure because you can't just you know build cycle lanes with a without council funding and without government funding you can't but you can create change you can you can create movements you can create social shift and that's I think what we just have to do now because nothing else will change otherwise so yeah that's why I do what I do and that's why I keep riding my bike and and that's why I campaign for people to stop flying and that's why I try to make it a positive thing and try to empower and inspire people to do it. That's why I run Flight Free UK. That's why I yeah, ride, ride my bike. I've already said that. But um, yeah, I, I think the, the change ha can start with us and it just has to actually. So anything we can do, do it. And it, it's a wonderful thing to do. All of these positive environmental actions can be such... A life enhancer and that's how I see it so yeah. Now there is a rallying cry we can all get behind. Now finally Anna one I think this is one final question what's next for you have you got any secret projects that you'd like to reveal here exclusively <laughs> on the 33 Rides podcasts uh, any ambitions for the year ahead is there another book in the pipeline or more travel adventures or 
goals for Flight Free UK? Spill the beans, if there are beans to spill. <laughs> yes, I am writing another book. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am writing another book, uh, which is about uh, localised travel in the pandemic. So how to carve adventure into your life when you can't really go very far at all. Um, so I'm enjoying writing that. No idea when it will be ready. Um, I am always planning new adventures. So I'd love to go to Mallorca. I've never been. It's a cyclist mecca. And I want to show that you don't have to fly to get there. And in fact, it's easy, cheap and much more desirable to go without flying. So that's the next big adventure. Again, not sure when that's going to be, but that's the that, that will be the next one, I hope. Um, and in terms of Flight Free UK, just getting to the next level of awareness and trying to reach as many people as we possibly can and inspire them to take our pledge, take up the challenge of not of not flying for a year and um, really start to shift the conversation. Super. Well, I look forward to hearing about your trip to Mallorca, especially because as it happens, Mallorca, 19 years ago, was the last place I visited by plane. And it was a flight back from Mallorca that marked my final flight. And that was in 19, <laughs> or oh, I can't count the years back from, from oh, okay. I, I, I can't remember what year it was, but I think it was, it was 19 years ago, but no, it must've been more than that. It was in, it was in 1999. That's 24, 24 oh, years ago. Okay. That 24 is, years ago. wow. Well um, done. So uh, I salute your efforts to, to go to Mallorca the proper way um, by by train, <laughs> I assume by train and then uh, and then by ferry. Is that right? Uh, yes. Um, my specific plan is going to be taking a ferry down to Santander on the north coast of Spain and then cycling through the Pyrenees to Barcelona. So already it's going to be quite a, a journey before I've even got there and then ferry from Barcelona to Mallorca but then on the way back I'll just do the easy way uh, in inverted commas but that would just simply be ferry back to Barcelona and then train all the way home. Sounds a very nice route. Good um, well Anna thank you so much for being an absolutely amazing and very patient first guest on the 33 Rides podcast. I've taken up much more of your time than I should have done. But I can't tell you how happy I am that you agreed to come on and share your stories and share your ideas with us. I, I'm sure our listeners will want to know how they can find out more about what you do. So is there a website you would like to gently steer them towards? Thank you. Yes. So my personal website is anacycles.co.uk and I'm Eat Sleep Cycle on Twitter. And for Flight Free UK, it is flightfree.co.uk. And we are Flight Free UK on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Super. I will post all the relevant links in all the relevant places. Uh, and your charity, you. uh, Flight Free UK, uh, accepts donations, doesn't it? We do indeed, yes. So there's a donate button on the website if people want to click that and give us a, um, a bit of support. That would be most welcome. Excellent. Well, 33 Rides will be making a, a modest donation as a token of our gratitude to oh, you. Thank you. And I'm sure many of our listeners will want to do the same. So, Anna, thank you so much once again. Uh, we'll leave you to enjoy the view from your window along the muddy towpath as the last of the light fades. <laughs> and perhaps we'll have a chance to speak again at the end 
of the 33 Rides project and we can tell you what we got up to. I can't wait. I'd love to hear it. And good luck with your travels. I'm, I will be following avidly. And that brings us to the end of episode two of the 33 Rides podcast. Now, remember, that episode was actually recorded before the 33 Rides trip took place uh, earlier this year. Uh, and in fact, that follow up conversation, which we were talking about just at the end there, has now happened. Uh, we had a chat, uh, Anna and I, um, just a few days ago, and that return podcast is now available on the Flight Free UK website. If you go to flightfree.co.uk slash podcast, you'll find my follow-up conversation uh, with Anna available to listen online. So many thanks again to Anna Hughes uh, for that extended conversation. And do check out her website, uh, annacycles.co.uk. You'll find samples of her beautiful and and really thought-provoking writing on a range of topics Uh, And of course, also the Flight Free UK website at flightfree.co.uk. Now, what's next? Well, in the next episode of the 33 Rides podcast, well, I'm not going to tell you who we're talking to, but I'll give you a clue. Our next guest is also, like Anna, a writer, and also, like Anna, somebody who loves bicycles, and also is someone who shares the same initials as Anna, Anna Hughes, our first guest. Who could it be? Well, I'll leave you to ponder that question. Before we wrap up, thanks, as always, to my friends and colleagues at Sticky Technology, who've taken on many of my duties and responsibilities while I've been away working on the 33 Rides project. And many thanks to Catherine and the team at Brompton Bicycles for setting us up with our magnificent Brompton folding bikes. And thanks again to Anna. That's it for today, and we'll see you soon. Bye.